I can't keep up with these questions. Where did you get that marvelous mug? Tim asks. Tim Stolinski. Where'd this mug come from that I'm drinking out of? In New York? That Tim? Yep. Tim and Robin? Um, that mug came from a... Uh, uh, I, I, I made that this morning in pottery class. You, you like it? <laughs> yeah. And for those of you who don't know, it's a, it's a it's one of a, a collection of mugs that Patrick has where the handle is a is a letter. Of you the just, you just just go on the on the bloody page and and have a look. Yeah, I can't say it. I can't say it online. I can. It says Dick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, there you go. And it's actually filled with Chad's favorite drink, whiskey, because <laughs> it's eight o'clock in the morning. I wish it. Yeah. I have my other favorite drink. It's actually Virgin's Blood again. <laughs> but anyway. That's why I'm here. Thanks, uh, Tim. Joyce. My friend Joyce. I know Joyce. Joyce BK Abby. What's the most ridiculous request we've ever received? We have it every time we play. Turn down. And we'll, no, we won't. No. <laughs> yeah. Most ridiculous. You're the one crazy. that comes to the top of my head is... Somebody, and this is this is the absolute truth. I do not know who it is. I still don't know any of their songs, but somebody came and asked us to play Kanye West. It was at a place called Brian O'Neill's, uh, right at the beginning of time, I think it was. It feels like a thousand years ago. Somebody came up and I shrugged my shoulders. I, I've got no idea. And and I guess when you hear songs like Irish Rover and, uh, God, what's if I don't have a list in front of me, I have no idea what songs we play. But if, you know, if you're hearing songs like, you know, Irish Rover and Ring of Fire and, you know, Don't Be Cruel and, you know, all kinds of, you know, and just, you know, old Irish tune and somebody asks you to play a top 40 or something that's, you know, I understand if you're playing, you know, dance music or if you're playing some kind and or, you know, and maybe you are covering a wide, you know, or, you know, many genres. You know, then I can understand you wanting to hear something in that, you know, kind of correlates to what you're playing. But uh, no, I, to this day, I don't know who it is, what they, you know, what they sing, whatever. But yeah, Kanye West, that was about the most, just because when I, when I inquired about it, people say, oh, you don't know who that is? Yeah, he's a, you know, popular R&B rap or hip hop or whatever the hell it was. And I've just, I've just right. never, never heard it. So. Right. Yeah. I think, I think people just... I, people, I don't know if it's people who just don't go to see live music very often. They say, oh, look, there's a musician playing stuff. They must know every single song <laughs> ever written in every single style. Yes. And uh, so they come up and they ask some random thing that's not anywhere close to our, our wheelhouse. And, and we're like, no. <laughs> like, what do you mean? You're a musician. Yeah, but but on that same note, any musician will tell you, uh, the, the people I feel sorry for are, are, are the people, you know, with, with, with uh, music stands, you know, you know, and, and, and music books, you know, that play requests, uh, you know, off the, you know, I, I admire that they can do that. But any musician will tell you that the people that come up and ask for songs that they want to hear and you don't know it, A, think you're lying mm-hmm. or B, well, you know, it goes like this and they'll give you some lyrics <laughs> from the song and I will, that doesn't help. But I will say that we do a couple of songs that I actually never heard the original versions of. You know it as well. You've heard, uh, and now, of course, I can't think of the bloody name of it. But, um, oh, Ball and Chain. 
that was another Brian O'Neill's one, and somebody had kind of given us the 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 gist of the song. We ended up playing it, and it, it, actually we brought it back recently because we kind of put a little country thing in it. Yeah, and it's a uh, it's one of those songs that um, really really difficult. If you're a guitar player, for, don't attempt this song. It's extremely <laughs> difficult. I think it's more just a little over two chords, and uh, anyway, but um, they uh, but they will come up to you at, at my favorite time to be asked. <laughs> Do you know a song is during another song while you're on the mic playing <laughs> a song? I go, hey, 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 do you know? Um, I <laughs> promise you can wait, and I guarantee you we're not going to play it. <laughs> People don't know that they come up and they're trying to tell us something, and they, if they don't know that from our perspective, we're looking at them, and all we see is somebody just looking at us with wide eyes with their lips moving. We can't hear a damn thing they're saying. Yeah, but just if you if you go see other shows, you know, please go ask the musicians as they're playing, especially if you're in a large venue. You know, you walk up to the stage onto it if you can and uh, ask them to their face. Just see, just see what happens. But yeah, it's um, nine times out of ten the lights in your eyes, so you can't see. Mm-hmm. Eleven times out of ten, you do the math. <laughs> you can't hear a damn thing because. But uh, many, 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 many silly requests, not just. Uh, you, you gotta tell. You gotta tell the "Don't Act Like It Ain't Cool" story. Was that? It was Brian O'Neill's, wasn't was it? Was it Brian? Yeah, Brian O'Neill's was a place in uh, Rice Village, which is in um, Houston, which is by Rice University. Which uh, uh, when the band first started, we had Brian Vogel on drums and Turi Hoyseth on fiddle. They were both students of Rice University. So Brian O'Neill's was in the heart of Rice Village in Houston, Texas, and. Um, we uh, we would play there on a regular basis, and uh, you know, tiny little stage, and um, just just way too many people. But you know, that was our favorite, our favorite kind of uh, venue. So absolutely stuffed with people, and people are shouting out requests, and you know, you're doing what you can. And uh, somebody shouted out, much to the delight of our drummer Brian Vogel, um, who also is a big fan of hot chocolate, which we'll get into some other day. <laughs> Uh, so somebody asked for Bon Jovi. Well, if you know anything about life, you really shouldn't admit to liking Bon Jovi outside <laughs> your front door, right? If you just, that's just, anyway, so I, I'm guessing I looked at him like he had two heads and it was, you know, what, but, but no. And <laughs> completely, completely miffed, just absolutely horrified. You know, so don't like getting cool. And stormed off. <laughs> and the, the most embarrassing part of that is because it was so packed, you can't really storm off. So it took about 15 minutes to leave. So I'm going to stop out of here really, really. So it was just absolutely packed. So yeah, that was my favorite part about the story is he said that he, he, he turned around and proceeded to just walk. He had to meander because he couldn't go straight out the door yeah. because it was so packed. It was just funny watching his yeah. head bob and just completely walk out the pub because <laughs> he didn't know where to go from there. But since then, I've actually started a Bon Jovi tribute band. <laughs> yeah, just so. Yes. You can come see us every uh, February in hell. Uh, well, that brings me to the other question that we, one other question we're going to talk about, might as well since we're talking about Brown O'Neill's. My friend Chris O'Banion asked us, what are your favorite places to play? What venues do we miss because they're closed? Oh, good question. Brian O'Neill's is one of those places that is no longer existent. Yeah, Brian O'Neill's wasn't uh, wasn't particularly a thrilling place to play, just because it was so packed. You could never get the sound right. The stage was tiny. The 
you know, and, 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 and it's awkward too, because uh, one of the things I like to do as a performer is I don't like to point the speakers at the bar. You know, people, the bartenders have enough trouble hearing in a loud bar without speakers pointed at them. So it's, you know, it's kind of awkward to get the speakers away, you know, to save the, the heads of the, uh, or the ears of the bartenders. So Brian Rundia, so it's an awkward, awkward venue. You know, when you play so many places so often, you befriend the management and the staff and whatnot. And, you know, so, so whether you like playing there or not, you do like going there because, you know, you, you, you like the people there. I mean, we're still friends with some of the people Oh yeah, that, you know, I mean, actually most of the people that of all the bars that we were, uh, that, that we've ever played at, you know, going back to the Beverly pub, going back to Slauncha downtown, which is now Molly's pub on main street, downtown Houston. Mm. We're still, we're still friends with, with, uh, you know, we're still in contact with, with most of them. So it's, uh, my favorite venue of all time is the Continental Club on 3700 Main, downtown Houston, Midtown Houston. For, for, for many reasons. One, I, I helped open that bar. And uh, absolutely, easily some of my favorite people on the planet down yeah. there. Dazzling Pete Gray slash Pete, Pete Gordon, John Goodtime Smith. But all the crew that's been, that started there with me. Uh, Chris, the sound guy. I mean, just to, God, I just go through a million people. Um, the Continental Club is my favorite. Uh, I feel I feel very attached to the Continental Club, just because it's a genuine. It's the sister club of the 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 legendary Continental Club in Austin, right? And uh, Steve Wertheimer, just uh, the owner, just did an amazing amazing job taking care of his musicians. Real quickly, I mean, as far as uh, the Continental Club goes, the other uh, thing that's that I love about the Continental Club is the fact that there's sound there. So you're not dragging in a PA every time you go in to play. And I actually don't mind the work. I, I like setting up a PA and I like the sound that we run. I like mixing yeah. the sound and, you know, I, I don't mind that. Um, but it's, it's nice going into a venue where, where it's done for you. You just plug in, sound check, and you go. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so the Continental Club is, it's definitely, it's definitely got a, you know, a special place. Yeah. You know, for me, it's an, it's, it's like family. I think to all of us at this point, that place just, it's not just the, the people who run the place, but the people who play there, who are often there, the bartenders, the, yeah, the sound guys, the, uh, Dave, Dave at the, the door. Yeah. I mean, obviously all the guys who have a really close relationship with that bar, like uh, Paul Beebe himself, who's, who's, uh, producing our record right now. He's play, he plays there every week pretty much, uh, with several different bands. Uh, there's what Beetle and Disco Expressions, and and there's also uh, who are the other guys? Thunderado. He does. Yeah. He's he's in a million bands. He's yeah. Anyway, Continental Club is definitely at the top of my list. I don't know if I can pick one. <laughs> this is me. I can't ever make a decision about ranking anything. Continental is definitely one of my favorite places to play. Abandons and College Station. We did a whole show about Abandons uh, last month. That will always be one of my favorite places to play for for a similar reason. It's just really really close to home. Uh, for us, I mean, not literally. It's a bit of a drive away, but it's still it's it's like a second home to us. Gosh, where else is a favorite? Well, this I, I, like, like we say, you know, even places. Yes, definitely O'Bannon's and Ashford Pub because we've we've uh, Ashford. Oh yeah, obviously the Ashford, the Ashford yeah. Pub used to be um, used to be on uh, Derry Ashford, which is in West Houston, and they moved. Um, it's right by a, by a high school, and um, you know, Chad couldn't be within a thousand feet of that. 
No, uh, they, they moved. the The building was uh, sold, and it was uh, taken over by the Watley family, and they have done an incredible job. They built the Ashford pub to look like the old Ashford, and wonderful staff again. And we play there a lot, and they 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 just could not be uh, more hospitable. And you're you're and also Pam, if you've eaten at the Ashford pub, you know that you're going to go back as often as you can. Houston is, here's a little side note, Houston is, in my travels, the greatest place on the planet for food, for, for, the, for all different styles of food and whatnot. But let me tell you this, if you like to eat and you like to have something you know, different you know, than just tacos and um, steak and whatnot, Pam, who, who is just an amazing hostess, she just absolutely lays it on and her, her food is is. But, and, and actually, and her kids haven't done a bad job either. Jason's pretty, pretty menacing behind that grill. And, um, <laughs> you know, and they're, they're, they're just, they're just, just, it's just a wonderful place. So, I mean, there's a zillion places I like to play all over. I mean, we've got, uh, we've got Stuttgart now in Galveston, which is, uh, it's at uh, the old Fuddruckers on the Strand. Yeah. And that's that, the, the, the load in is an absolute bitch, but the staff, uh, food are wonderful. And it's, and, and it's Galveston. Now that I'm old, now that I'm uh, uh, on death's door, it's just Galveston has, it, it never, it, you know, when I moved here, God, 25, 30 odd years ago, when I moved to Houston, you know, we went to Galveston and like, eh, that's all right. But as I've got older, I just absolutely love Galveston. I love the, I love the mm-hmm. beach, which is not, definitely not the most picturesque, um, but it's, and and I, lo- I love the strand too. The strand is you know where the carnival cruise ships come in, and the, but just just the the history of Galveston and the people, and the, it's just it's just wonderful. So um, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. That's just the, our the, the venues that we play. I don't dislike any of the places. Honestly, I just uh, um, we've had really crappy gigs, really really crappy gigs, and if we don't like the venue, we're not going back. And our calendar kind of speaks to that you know i mean if, if if we're playing you know if we're playing multiple dates at yeah you know they, yeah you know we're we're, we're going back we're, we're and we're lucky that our sound is such that we can we can play in a rock and roll club or we can play in a you know live music venue that you know that's all or we can play in an irish pub or we can play in a you know wherever it is so we're lucky enough to have that but we're also lucky enough too if we don't like the venue we're not going back so it's it's a yeah yeah, it's very rare too that we've that we've ever played places where it just didn't work, you know. Yeah, um, Yonkers. Is, yeah, we are. Yeah, we did. We talked about Yonkers in a previous show. I can't remember which episode that was. Yeah, Yonkers, New York. We played at a place, and it was just it. It wasn't that the music fit. People danced. They just don't clap. That's their thing. Mm-hmm. And it was unnerving when you don't know that when you're and when you play a four hour show straight no breaks yeah. and whatever. So that was, a, that was one of the, that was a crappy gig. And the, the, the staff were, were you know, kind of, uh, um, to, to, to put it lightly wankers, but, um, yeah. And actually wankers and yonkers, that sounds like a, you're onto something. Oh uh, yeah. Um, but my, one of another one of my favorite gigs, uh, we've only done it twice now, three times now, the, the Rochester jazz festival in New York. Oh gosh. Yeah. It just, just incredible. Um, and actually, and, and another really, really cool uh, festival was in uh, the Home for the Holidays in... In Rockville. Rockville, Maryland. Yeah. Uh, another wonderful, wonderful gig. And then... Uh, O'Malley's, Weston... Uh, yes. 
Yeah, Western, Western Irish Missouri. Festival. Yeah, at, at Western Brewing Company. Yeah. Yeah, um, maybe you should put a link to that uh, on there because if you want to see easily one of the coolest pubs yeah, really in is. America. I, I, I would have to say that's, yeah. You, you can't, <laughs> there's nothing that compares to, to O'Malley's in Western Missouri. It was uh, used to be a, a brewery that was built, I think, in the, in the 1800s. It's this stone, basically like this dungeon that's that's underground. It's a cellar, yeah. It's a yeah. Massive, it, it, in the the place where the main pub is, I think what used to be a storage area for for the kegs of this old brewery that they used to have there back, I don't know, like 150 years ago, whatever it was. Yeah, but our our, our friends uh, Michael Coakley and uh, Corey Weinfurt. Corey, Corey Wein, Weinfurt. Yep. Yeah, they, they turned it into a pub. But uh, yeah, they've got a they've got a brewery there that's above ground next door and then they have this pub and then they also do the western irish festival every year which has become a tradition for us now and we're very very honored to be a part of that every every year but yeah that that, that pub is is you're, you're i can't think of anything else that comes close to it as far as just how unique the whole thing is laid out yeah that you've, you've got to see that right outside of kansas city missouri yep and another another favorite which is uh we haven't done many but the he says Nania, I say Nania. It's his name, so we'll call him Nania. But our our uh, our wonderful hostesses, Sienna and John, they uh, they the, the house concert in Omaha, Nebraska. Just yeah, first one that we did, and it was just it, it, amazing. It, it just it, it's, it's still one of my favorite, my favorite one, a favorite show because we started off acoustic and um, we spoke earlier about not having amplifiers anymore, not having to fight to fight over amplifiers well the nice thing about that is too we took all our gear into a basement and 50 50 people at least yeah yeah it was about 50 people he had chairs for 50 i know that down there in his basement and we we did an acoustic set and then we took a little break we came back and did the electric set and it was is still one of my favorite uh shows just because we're able to play at decent volumes Mm-hmm. You know, uh, bearable volumes in a small, uh, you know, in a uh, co- you know confined area like that, and uh, just absolutely wonderful to uh, the bravery, <laughs> you know, the foresight of John, you know, to be able to say, "Hey, have you ever thought about you know and, and and pushing that forward and getting all those people together for us and just just still still tremendous to uh, and then um, also you know we've just posted online we've just posted about our uh, shows in Bundoran on our uh, uh, this year's Ireland trip. Yeah. I will say that um, although the venues that we play over there are extremely small and, you know, a lot of the times the PA is not equipped for, you know, for, for what we do, uh, we've still had with uh, Ricky and uh, Silver Circus mm-hmm. um, doing that show in Claremorris put on by Eamon from uh, Molly's Pubs. That was still, to this day, just 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 a thrill to be able to mm-hmm. to you know, to be playing in a small area like that with a, with a band like that. And, uh, you know, and then, yeah, you know, end up with lifelong friends after it. Yeah. Gosh, can't beat it. I'm hard pressed to think of any show in Ireland that didn't go pretty well. There's a couple that were, that were awkward just because of a poor sound situation. Or the, yeah, again, we're not traveling with our amps, yeah. with our PA, you know, we're at the mercy of the club. So the worst one easily was the graduate. Yeah. Where uh, we were told a while ago, there was a PA, we were told there was sound. And uh, when we get to the graduate, and uh, that's uh, 
just right up the road from my, where my mother lives. And uh, we're told minutes before we were heading out there that there's no sound. And we're scrambling, you know, on a Friday night or whatever it was to try, you know. So we ended up using a, a PA that was, you know, a, a sound system that would be barely enough for one person in a very small room playing for themselves. We've ended up, you know, in a, on a packed night. Oh, just absolute misery. What was the one where the, so, where the sound guy was, was intoxicated? Uh, the Noggin Inn, <laughs> Sally Noggin. <laughs> yeah, that was my least favorite. South Dublin, yeah. Now that he gets the Noggin Inn, but yeah, that was uh, one of those situations where we just, no matter how much we asked for in monitors, we could not hear a damn thing. And we, we well, said, right? We, it's, yeah, you're exactly right. We, we, but when that, and I, I know I've said this many times, and possibly even on this podcast, but when you're met by the sound guy, and I don't mean that to sound like there was any kind of formal introduction, you kind of just bump into him. When, when the sound guy is first, you know, when the first words that he utters or slurs or slobbers or spits are, a resume, you know, a, a, yeah. some sort of some yeah. sort of life. I'm a, I'm uh, a professional musician too. Just yeah, so you know, some some semblance of a uh, a biology, you know, uh, a biology, <laughs> <laughs> a biography of his, you know, quote unquote, you know, musical career. And uh, this guy, I think he just come off the road with meatloaf, or that, that was the last thing of note that he did. He was supposedly the 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 fried chicken tech for uh, meatloaf and uh, just just guy absolutely wasted and just no sense of what was going on and we played I think we played the whole show with feedback mm-hmm. on the stage and off the stage I mean yeah, just it was you absolutely know, awful absolutely yeah just a, an absolute uh, and every time we tried to get he come up to the stage and we were trying to tell him about the problems we were having he could you fix this or fix that he's just talking about whatever. Hey, you know, don't trying to tell us some story about something that just happened to him every single time he came to the stage. And if I remember correctly, he requested Bon Jovi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's move on to places that we miss that are closed. LeBear. LeBear. Oh. We mentioned Brian O'Neill's already. What else would you say? Beverly for nostalgia. I don't miss the smoke. I don't miss any place that had smoke or has smoke. Yeah. Uh but that was, yeah, the Beverly pub was such a crucial, <laughs> you, you, you take a, I mean, that's where Patrick and I met for, for one thing, but we also, a lot of the, the early gigs of, of, uh, the original lineup occurred there. I mean, that's really where we kind of put our act together really. Cause we had, we rehearsed a lot here, obviously your house at that point, but most of our early shows were played, played there. I mean, before we even played at Brian O'Neill's or. Yeah. The Beverly pub owned by Gene and Pierce Finley. They just get just absolute freedom to do what you because they know that you're not going to go in there and play Bon Jovi or you're going to, you know, you're not going to go in and play, you know what I mean? Like just uh, green alligators and long neck, you know, you know, you're not going to bore the crap out of the, you know, they know you well enough to know that, you know, your craft or your, you know, you're, you're mm-hmm. so, uh, so, so the freedom to do what you wanted to do. And that's what led us to, yeah. to veer throughout so many genres in our and we were there in those days. We were there every week. I mean, every yeah. Wednesday night we were there. So either we we were always there's always something new that we're trying out or some new arrangement we're trying out. And uh, in the beginning, it was just Patrick and I. And then uh, for a while, the whole band would be there every single Wednesday. And uh, sometimes, like one of us or two of us couldn't make it, so there'd be a lot of crazy things that we we'd just be 
just playing anything that came to mind. And that's like Patrick was saying that we could get away with that there because people were just happy to hear us play. They didn't really care if we were, you know, playing something that was rehearsed or just completely off the cuff or, you know, it, 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 there was a lot of freedom there, which uh, was really uh, invaluable to us at that, at that point. Yeah. And in other places, you know, um, uh, it's recently closed as uh, Fado in Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, do I miss driving there, setting up, playing the show, unloading, driving home, going to the studio and dumping the gear? No. 16 hour day. Yeah. <laughs> 16, uh, no exaggeration whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. So I don't miss that in the slightest, but yeah, I miss the, miss the crew and the, the, uh, you know, our, our friends in Austin and yeah, I do miss that. I do miss Fado. There's uh it's one of those places like it's just, it's going to be really hard to, we can't, I mean, there's no way to duplicate that. That place was unique for a bunch of different reasons. And I mean, number one, it was a great pub. Number two, the location uh, in Austin was right in the heart of a very heavily trafficked, uh, foot trafficked uh, nightlife area on fourth street between Lavaca and Colorado. And Number three, the, the staff who work there, um, the relationship that we had with the staff there. We have, I mean, we've got that in other places too, but just all these things combined that th- sometimes those gigs would be just, we, we never really knew exactly what to expect. Like if we could get there and it, it would, it's like, gosh, it's dead. You know, we'd look around at the neighborhood, there's nobody walking around. And then like three or four songs into our first set, all of a sudden the patio is just packed. <laughs> These people would just appear out of nowhere. And that, a lot of that, had to, we have, we have, you know, obviously we, we, over the years, we built up a really solid following in Austin too, but because of its location, people could hear us from the street. So there was always this really, this kind of magic where you, you never really knew anything could happen basically because there, there could be any, like a, a bridal party shower, bridal shower party that's passing down the street or, or there's a bachelor party or some, somebody's birthday party is just walking down the street or a pub crawl. And, and, um, so we met a lot of friends, made a lot of fans playing at that place because of that sort of spontaneous discoverability, if that's a word of playing there. And not, a, it's, that's, that's rare. Not a whole lot of pubs had that. Brown O'Neill's kind of had that. Cause it was that Brown O'Neill's was also in a heavily trafficked uh, nightlife area. Yes. The, the, the nice thing about Fado was, the management wanted us as loud as we possibly could get because it, you could hear yeah. for miles around, you know, you can hit not miles, but you could hear, you know, for a long way away that there's uh, live music. And the nice thing about what we do is it doesn't sound like anybody else. We, you know, we mm-hmm. can't really play. We're really loud. And we're, you know, it's, <laughs> and, and you can hear it forever. So it, it's, it, that, that was a really nice, that was a really nice feature. And, uh, and I miss most of them. I don't miss Eric that much. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we we made like almost every single person who worked there. We we became really good friends with. And that's that's that's. I mean, that's how you know <laughs> you've got a special place. Yeah, uh, even that some of the other pubs I missed that we you know we didn't really get to know everybody. Uh, but there was something special about that about Fido that there was a there was a really tight camaraderie between all the people who worked there. So if you if you knew one person, you'd wind up meeting everybody else just in turn. And it's also just one of those places where they, they know Austin, probably because it has, probably has something to do with the fact that it is Austin, that they all knew how good they had it. That when we were there, we, you know, they, they would always make more money. They'd get, they'd get more bigger tips and they had more fun. And they, it was just, um, it was good for everybody. And that there are some of the places where we don't have 
didn't have quite as good chemistry with the, with uh, with the employees or the the staff were places where they just uh, just didn't see any benefit to us being there. There are some places in here that they're all since gone now. I'm not going to mention them, but there were, there was a, a string of pubs in Houston that that uh, where it just seemed like the live music was. It didn't matter who was playing there. It's like it just didn't really gel the same way. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Where it just always felt like we were being ignored. It wasn't quite as bad as the Yonkers, the Yonkers story. But um, yeah, some places, I don't know, it just didn't. Well, again, in fairness to places like that, a lot of these places have live music, you know, five and six nights a week. Right, and so they're kind of numb to it. They're numb to it. But the, also, the, the other thing is, too, if you're in a band and you're going to be playing in clubs and you're going to be playing all night, chances are they don't want to hear Brown Eyed Girl. They don't want to hear Margaritaville or they don't want to hear Brick House. Or they don't want to you, Chances are they've heard that. You know, they've heard there, there's a there's a... There's a handful of songs that you can that you can play to really piss them off and to uh, to to push them away. So so a lot of them, you know, it's it's really it's. Uh, I, I mean, again, there's 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 plenty of bars to work in if you don't want to hear live music. But if you want to hear live music and you're you know you're at a place that's going to do live music six or seven nights a week and they're going to be cover bands, you know, you better you better learn to grow a thick skin. Yeah, uh, Michael Logan just gave us another question. Michael Logan from uh, Sherman, from Sherman, Texas. That's another. I have to say, that's another place that's a, a become a, a very, very fast favorite of mine. We've played at the uh, Sherman Celtic Festival now. Twice. That was a shock. That was. I'm. I'm still shocked about that place. Yeah, and to say too, we've played a lot of festivals, and I, I hate to say it, but the vast majority of them are not very well organized. It's it's uh, people always try to they bite off more way more than they can, they can chew with these things. Um, so typically you get there and it's just it, nobody knows what's going on. Uh, things are running behind schedule. You know, people they're running out of food, running out of water, whatever. Power's bad. Stage is terrible. Whatever. So we didn't really know this at Sherman Catholic Festival. That was the second year we played last year, right? Wasn't the second year? Yeah. So it was a brand new baby festival and. So we just had no idea what to expect. So we got there and it turns out, I mean, hands down, I think the best organized festival I think we may have ever played, at least in Texas, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely in Texas. And it was only the second year. And yeah, I, well, I was, I was shocked when we got there the first year. I was shocked because, you know, uh, Michael had called me and asked about, asked, you know, if we come up. And I go, absolutely, we'll come up. It's a little close to Dallas for my taste, but... I'll get over. It. No, uh, but we we got there and it, it they had drawn an incredible crowd. The sound was amazing. Our friend, our Keith, friend Keith yeah, just just uh, just knew exactly what we were supposed to do, and you know the sound we were supposed to get. And and it's nice too, you know. You said time wise, you know, it's running late. The band, uh, um, a lot of bands don't really pay attention to the to to the you know on and off times. And what's just, it's just, it's just nice. You just got to ask, ask the sound guy for five minute warning, you know, and, and, and mm-hmm. Keith was just, just on top of everything. Great sound. And, you know, yeah. always, I you know, just, you always an eye shot. And yeah, I was amazed by the, the amount of people just, it, it, I couldn't believe how, how crowded they for, for year one. And then this year they had to move the festival because they needed a bigger, they needed a bigger venue. And it was, again, we had, we, <clears throat> we had horrible weather, but it all cleared up by the time we arrived. Just, uh, just Michael, make a note of that. 
Yeah. So for the for all things considered, it turned out to be a beautiful day on Sunday, uh, two day festival Saturday Sunday. But the Sunday w- was uh, you know tremendous weather and having you know a lot of people uh, were, were kind of thrown off because there was all kinds of crappy weather uh, on, on the Saturday. But still, in all, all the all the vendors were fantastic. Just no fluff. I mean, there was a really really good. The food was good. They had they had a really good. Uh, can't remember the name of the coffee place, but really good coffee. Uh, really good jewelry and arts and crafts and all kinds of stuff and but nothing you, you, you know you, you like year two was twice what year one was and year one was was incredible mm-hmm. for, for for a start point so yeah we were yeah. keep in mind too when you have a stage that has festival bands that are that well versed in festival etiquette and festival you know they have a show they have a set. They have their their stick that they're going to do, but they're also in the the the, the time increments are valued. You know, they they know what they're what they're setting out to do, and they're you know on time. So it's really nice to play with with uh, with with bands that know that and are able to go on, get on and get off in time. You know, not just stand around and yeah having a smoke while they're while the other bands trying to get on the stage or they're I mean, just everybody was just just asses and elbows and mm-hmm. on and off in, in in record time. So that was that was another yeah yeah. We don't <laughs> definitely don't always encounter that. Some even some of the better run festivals we've we've been at, there's always not always, but in, inevitably you'll run into a band who supposedly professionals who just don't or they're not familiar with the concept of get the hell off the stage. Also, get the hell on the stage when it's your time. There's an etiquette for both both ends of the spectrum there, or whatever. When you're done with your show. You need to get off as quickly as possible. Don't stand around talking. To, doesn't matter what you're doing. Just get out of the way because, especially at these festivals, there's time time factor. Even when you're in a, in a pub, when it, you're the only person playing, um, you don't want to be. You know, if you finish your show at one a.m. and you're still breaking down at two thirty after the, the staff's trying to go home, you you need to just get out of there. <laughs> you know, there's 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 a there's a, there's a good reason to keep moving in, in almost any situation, but especially when there's another band coming on after you. Um, but you also don't want to be too. You, you don't want to go up before you know. I've I've I try to be respectful too if bands if we're, we're going on after somebody and they're they are trying to they are dutifully trying to get their stuff out of the way. I don't want to go up and get in their way before they're done breaking because then sometimes that can slow things down as well too. But we we've seen it from both ends. What's the other thing I was going to say? It's just as an example of, of a festival that that where where things don't go well because they they don't know what they're doing. What was it? There was some festival we did. It was a children's festival we played in the Heights a few years ago, and uh, this is almost kind of what I expect from any new festival, just because people don't know what they're doing dealing with. And we looked at their. This is the first time they'd ever tried to put this thing on, and looked and they sent us their their schedule. For the it was something like six bands in a, in a span of like four hours. <laughs> I was like, oh no. And also keep in mind that the, the bands that they had booked weren't were not pros. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 not even they're not even a basement band, right? So they're bringing on the the keyboards, the the congas, the you know the the backup tambourine players, the triangle player. You know, wait, all kinds of stuff. So they have no idea, and they've got no idea how to. Play on it on a stage mm-hmm. with sound. So yeah, that was absolute. That was that was yeah. That's a good memory. I, I blocked that one from. It my was memory. even worse than I expected because yeah. we got there and the sound guy took like 
we, we the, the first band was was late because it took him like an hour yeah. longer than it should have. To We've also done another festival where the silent guy couldn't even turn the PA on. I <laughs> mean, was that? that was uh, a yeah. uh, Lucky's. Lucky's. Yeah, he couldn't even get the sound running. Oh, <laughs> yeah, mix and match PA, and you yeah, know, you yeah, show up and there's yeah, just all kinds yeah. of. Gosh. So yeah, there's there's a there's a million there's a million there's a million of those, and um, so anyway, sorry, Michael. <laughs> Your, your name spawned a completely different uh, tangent. Michael Logan's asking, I want to hear Patty talk about guitars. What he uses, what he prefers, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, my God. Uh, um, I like guitars. I like a lot of guitars. I have far too many. Now, what do I like? Oh, God, rewind back to the beginning of time when I, uh, the first guitar I bought, I went to Austin because uh, Houston didn't have anything like it uh, that I was looking for. I was looking for a semi-acoustic. Uh, so I went to Austin, found found this guitar. And if this isn't a sign, then I don't know what it is. I went into this place. I don't know the names of it. Uh, the, the shops, they're all gone now. But I went into this one place and I saw this green guitar. I was like, ugh, it's an ugly green guitar. But it played really nice. It was a Godin, G-O-D-I-N, Godin, Godin, whatever you call it. Um, Canadian made and it played really really nice and it was 1150 uh, I think somewhere somewhere around that I can't remember but uh, so I went to a couple other shops and I found another one just like it and it was orange and I'm like if you think a green guitar is ugly what do you see an orange guitar ugly ugly so uh, didn't like that one so I went back to the other shop and the guitar that I had seen previously was marked down to 750 I was only gone for an hour maybe two hours I came back and it was marked down to 750. It's crazy. Yeah, exact same guitar. Strings were still on it, everything. So uh, so I bought that one and I played it. And I, I still have it. I still like it. It plays great. And so my first band, um, well, I, I, I did a, the, the acoustic, my first acoustic show with that and a few more and blah, blah, blah. Well, then I f- formed the first band and uh, used that for a while. Then I started putting that one through a, a solid state Marshall head and a 412 cabinet, which uh, if you're not in the music uh, business, forget about it. And if you are, forget about it. Um, so I was using that for a while. And then, uh, so then as, uh, you know, nearing the formation of Blackguards, I still like the acoustic sound, but I still like, yeah, I liked the that guitar because it was a little dirtier and get a little bit of crunchier sound, a little bit heavier sound. But moving forward, I knew that I needed uh, I needed a little bit more growl, so I went and got a, this what, what they call a Parker fly guitar, and it weighs about as much as um, as a uh, pubic hair. It's it's about as ugly <laughs> as a pubic. Hair. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's just it's it's just a terrible looking guitar. Played fantastic, just beautiful to play. And the selling point on this ugly, ugly, ugly guitar was it had a stereo cable which you could split the signal meaning it could go one side into an electric amplifier and the other side into a you know into a direct signal to where you could have this acoustic sounding thing so basically two guitars in one at the same time which sounded like a great idea except for what i was doing it did its job for the short time i had it and then uh, we went to a place called mize in midtown houston one night after a show and parked mm. outside the parked outside the restaurant just out of eye shot of the the restaurant my truck got broken into and they stole everything my mesa boogie nomad yeah. uh, 212 
thing. All my PA so the guitars. Yamaha, uh, huh? Was it a Yamaha PA we had at that point? Uh, it was a mix the and TV? match, but yeah, it was Yamaha speakers with uh, Mackie. Yeah. Anyway, the, the I, whole the PA. I think the only thing they didn't take were the stands. The stands, yeah. Thing. And my car was parked right behind his. And they didn't even, my amp and my stuff was in there too. And they didn't even touch mine. Yeah. Which so, may have just been a matter of time. They, maybe they didn't have time to get in mine too. Yeah. So, so. They got me later. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's been a string of things happening lately too. We've been posting about just these uh, friends of ours that have had their, their gear stolen lately. It's just, uh, it's just, it, it, it's heartbreaking to see the amount of gear mm-hmm. that's been stolen just even in the last couple of weeks from, from now, just I'm sick of posting it. I'm sick of, of, of hearing about this stuff. Just, uh, um, yeah. And just the, the worst part about it, you know, it's terrible that people's livelihoods are being, you know, ripped away like this. The worst part about it is when you steal musical instruments, you're getting pennies. I mean, not even, I mean, just pennies on the dollar for what they're worth. Not even pennies, a penny on the, you know, tens of dollars, you know, you know, it's just, you don't make any, you know, the resale value of these things are absolute torture. It's just, it's criminal that, you know, that, the every aspect. So anyway, moving back to the getting broken into and having everything robbed outside the mize, um, the, uh, and incidentally late night dining with gear in your car, uh, the two places I would never, ever, ever leave gear. I mean, just don't leave it in your car if you can't. We have a studio now, which, uh, you know, we leave our stuff in all the time. And uh, uh, it's, a, it's an absolute pain in the ass to go and put this stuff away after every show. However, it's really nice having your gear there every show. Yeah. But um, so the upshot. Oh, yes. Yeah, so the two places I will not leave anything in your car unless you want it gone is uh, House of Pies on Kirby mm-hmm. in Houston and also in, uh, Mize, because uh, it's a, it's a, Mize is a late night yeah. spot and, um, it's really, really popular for, um, for musicians after, after hours. And yeah. it's a, it's a really, really, it's a highlighted spot with this. Yeah. And there's really no place that's safe. <laughs> no, but that's, I, that's just, th- those yeah. places are notorious for it. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it, I'm surprised for people who don't know is absolutely legendary uh, institution in Houston. It's they've been around for ages. They haven't changed a damn thing. Same menu, same atmosphere. Uh, it's just a great little little twenty uh, four hour diner. And your and your car will get broken into yeah, if you have mine has been it. broken into there um, many years ago. Um, and they know it. They put signs up and it. But the, the way that the way their part the the parking lot is, it's it's really easy for 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 somebody to get away because they could just pull up, run up, break into somebody's car, and run off again. That sounds like you know what you're seen. talking about, Chad. That, I've uh-huh. seen it. I haven't seen it happen, but I've 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 I know it's happened to several of my friends. And your car wasn't your car broken into there? No, your dad's or something. My dad's, your was, dad's yeah. was, yeah, yeah. He was visiting in town, lost <laughs> his computer and stuff. And was it was it was in the you know anyway. So um, moving on. Uh, anybody, anybody that's listened to any of these uh, podcasts before know that we uh, tend to run off in different directions. This is one of them. <laughs> but they, so the, the, the upside was to losing that uh, just heinous looking just uh, Parker fly guitar. The upside was I went and got a Gibson Les Paul, mm-hmm. my friend Rodney Rowe. And that I hadn't played lead before, hadn't played lead guitar before. 
much. You know, I, I tried it a couple of times. People we were like, please don't do that. Well, with the addition of the Les Paul, it was just, it was one of those guitars that just, I still have it. I still love it. It just, it plays itself. And it actually pushed me to, to, to go further, to try yeah. more stuff and to, and it just made me a better player. And that Definitely. sounds really, really silly. And I'm, you know, it's true. But you just, better gear equals mm-hmm. better playing. I'm just, I'm convinced. Mm-hmm. Well, fast forward then a couple of years, uh, you know, um, our friend Bill Thomas, first time I met him was on Paddy's Day a few years back. And he, he told me, uh, he goes, uh, uh, he goes, hey, I built you a guitar and I'm expecting this piece of wood with a wire on it and a coat hanger, you know, to tighten it and loosen it. So he opens up this guitar case and here's this spalted maple hollow body electric guitar just looked like it. It's just, I'm looking at him going, you're out of your mind. He said, yeah, I just thought, you know, I've seen you guys a few times and I wanted to build your guitar that you think, if you don't like it, you know, I'll, I'll take it back. If you like it, keep it. And the thing, and I played it on stage that day at O'Bannon's Paddy's day. Yeah. And it just, it, I don't take that. Now you don't see me take it out a lot because it's my home studio guitar. You know, play it. Um, and being a hollow body and, and I, I, I tend to, I tend to be um, a little rough with my guitars and I don't, so it's a treasured guitar of mine. Yeah. I have a picture of, of you just seconds after he handed it to you. You just look like a kid who just been handed an ice cream cone. I mean, it's just not, not very often that something like that happens. It's a yeah. gorgeous, gorgeous guitar. Yeah. 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 And he's, uh, and he's, he's since built, he built my, my son, a five string bass, which is, is incredible. Um, so fast forward now to present day, I play diamond guitars, our friend, Jeff Diamond. And for the longest time too, I was using his amps. He made diamond amps and, uh, diamond guitars. And, uh, a friend of mine called me up one day and said, Hey, you, you know, you got to come check us out. We're, we know we're a new guitar company in town. His name is Sam Austin, and he called me up and he said, "You got to see these guitars. Got to see what we're doing." So I went over to the to the shop, and the first guitar I bought, I just bought on the spot. The it was the the black Bolero I have. It's a black uh, Gibson Les Paul style guitar. It's got the it's got the the skull on the on the bottom, and it's got just absolutely beautiful, beautiful, beautiful body design, and it's really similar to the Les Paul in that it weighs a lot. But it's real sturdy, very, very, very takes a beating, and um, they just did did amazing work on this on this guitar. And I just I bought on the spot, and 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 I was playing, I was still playing that solid state uh, Marshall with the four twelve speaker cabinet back then. Well, as I, I as I bought a few more guitars, and I, I then uh, Jeff and Sam, you know, gave me an, a, an endorsement deal th- with Diamond, so. They were, I was basically, I can't count the amount of guitars Jeff gave me. Um, and when I bought it, the very, very few times I bought guitars there, I paid way, 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 way less than, uh, than it cost to make them. Yeah. So, uh, so, I, so I have a lot of diamond guitars and I, I love each and every one of them. He's Just, holding one right now. I'm holding the, one of the very, very, um, one of the only I think they only made like one run of acoustic guitars and they, uh, they, they just, uh, they abandoned that pretty quickly. Yeah. So the guitars that I use are typically the, the Boleros, 
I have a few. I have the I have a few real thin. They're called the Renegade, which is also my stage name. If you know me from Le Bear. they uh, they have a couple of very very thin guitars that are really really light and they're really fun to play. But they're all really really good sounding guitars. They're not. And I, I tell people now. I say you can't really get bad gear now. I mean, you can if you're doing the Line Six, you know, low model uh, amps or you know, like the ones with the digital effects on them. They sound great in the front room of your house, and they sound great in a. But to get that stuff through a PA, and again, that's just my taste. That's my. Uh, I just I can't get the sounds that I like from them. However, I've heard really really good sounding amp modeling, as it's called. But uh, the the gear that I use right now is I'm going. I, I use a fractal uh, guitar processor, and I use my Diamond guitars. And so, in answer to your question, the the main guitars the main guitars I use right now are my uh, Diamond Boleros or the Renegade. And uh, yeah, like I said, just incredibly durable and yeah, yeah. Well, you sometimes you not very often anymore but you sometimes you still use your uh your explorer gibson explorer i just had my explorer finally fixed of years of trying to f- figure out the problem with it my gibson explorer is is making appearances now i love that guitar absolutely love that guitar it's one of the best looking guitars i think you have too yeah and it, it's solid mahogany so it weighs a ton but it's uh, it sounds as good as any guitar I've ever heard. So yeah, and of course you you've changed the pickups in it now. I realized that the, the electronics used to be messed up, but I I, I like the way it sounded too back before you changed it. It had a the, it had a sound that you couldn't you could you, you know it wasn't really the best tone for for what you do, but it had this really really uh, unique kind of dirty you know. It reminds me a little bit of, of my, my old Gibson Sonics, which you've played a couple of times as well. Um, very, very dirty uh, kind of kind of sound. You know, you can't really get a clean tone out of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was, I mean, it was in part because the, the problem was the original pickup. So it was, the, yeah. it was the neck pickup in it that was just, it was kind of, it was, it was weaker. It was a weaker tone. So it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't going to clean up. Right. Right. Yeah, I was gonna. So uh, yeah, finally got it fixed and love it. All right. Yeah. So I don't have the question right in front of me right now, but Jay Holland, my friend Jay Holland in Omaha, Nebraska, whom we've talked about before on the show, uh, asked us, "Are we considering putting out our next record on vinyl?" Yes. And he asked something else too about underwear, but we'll get back into that at another time. Yes. It's it's funny. I never thought about vinyl until. We started working with Paul Beebe over at BB Gun Studios. I hadn't, I hadn't, I never thought about that. Um, I, I got rid of my turntable years ago, and I, I still have some some records, some old LPs. But um, you know, we were talking about all those. We were talking about the Desert Island discs. Yeah, and uh, and I started, you know, the, the first one, Live After Death, not the best, the Iron Maiden, Live After Death, not the best recording. I've ever heard of them live. However, the the double live album, the artwork on that, and the thing that's that that's what got me thinking about doing a vinyl record. Yeah, having something to where you could, you know. Yeah, it, I think the answer is a very, very strong yes. Yeah, we we've it's been it's come up in conversation a few times over the years, but um, 
you know, we never even considered it with standards because I mean, and that was a while ago now that vinyl has, has just surged in popularity. Um, it never really went away completely, but it definitely in the past, I don't know, 10 years or so, it has just gotten more and more popular. This, this, this is what really uh, surprised me is that my little brother who just turned 21, he's not so little anymore. My little brother, Preston, told me not too long ago that he's he's he likes collecting vinyl he goes out and he try any any new artist that he's into he tries to go out and find if see if they got their stuff on vinyl and i just think that's amazing i i haven't listened to vinyl at home in decades because i don't even have a turntable that works anymore you know i'm very lazy when it comes to listening to music i've gotten very very comfortable with my iphone and my laptop and my my car stereo is really the only only places i ever listen to anything now and it's terrible. I mean, I need to. I need to set up. It's one of the cool things about having this interface, this little Focusrite Scarlet that I use to uh, record these podcasts. I can also. Uh, I have some really nice speakers at home. Some Tannoy Reveal speakers, studio monitor speakers that sound fantastic. I can hook those up through this Focusrite and actually have this killer stereo when I play anything through that. But as far as vinyl, uh, I really miss it. And that's that's you know, it's. As anybody who <laughs> who knows the history of vinyl can, would probably be able to figure out that both Patrick and I grew up with vinyl. I mean, that was in the day for for many many decades. That was the preferred format. Um, wasn't a very portable format. It wasn't a very durable format. But I think, arguably, even today, it's probably the best sounding format. Um, why that is, I don't know. I'm not an audiophile myself, but uh, I do know that I miss. Just the the look and the feel of vinyl records. I miss the packaging, as Patrick was saying. I'm really looking forward to uh, putting together vinyl packaging, which I've never had an opportunity to do before. Being able to hold something in my hands, uh, hold a, a vinyl record in my hands that that that's ours. You know, I, I'm very much looking forward to that. So, yep. And then uh, then the other question he asked you was about getting nervous before going on stage. Yeah, I, I know we touched on it before, but I I I don't. I definitely don't mind repeating, and I will. I don't think it's ever going to go away. I don't think I'm ever going to stop being nervous. No, and, I think that would de- that would denote uh, apathy. I think. Yeah, it was the only thing that would make it go away completely. Um, and I like the government. <laughs> 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 no, I'm just kidding. But no, it's uh, yeah. I don't think it's uh, you know. There's no sign of it going away, and um, um, you know the the. Every single every single show that's coming up on the on the calendar, I'm not dreading. I'm not, you know, I'm actually looking forward to them. But I just know when we when we hit the hit the lights and you know get the nod from the other other band members, everybody's ready to go. I'm I'm just nervous as hell. I just can't. I get nervous just recording stuff. I mean, we were talking about that last week about about in the studio. Yeah, uh, I did. I'm better about it now. But yeah, I used to get ridiculously nervous on the mic. I still get really nervous on camera. I can't handle <laughs> the few, the few times that we've been interviewed by news uh, on camera for for whatever reason. Yeah, I just I freeze up like a like a deer in headlights for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> it, it's it's nerve wracking, you know. Yeah. It's, you know what's coming. You know, did you do it? Guilty. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it's funny because as a kid, I used to I used to my, my friends and I used to do stuff on camera all the time. I used to do little films and things like that. So it wasn't, it's not like, it's not like it's something I'd never done before, but I guess it's just been a, it's been too long. Yeah. So keep the questions coming. This has been, you know, really fun. And, uh, I'm absolutely stunned by the, the amount of people that have come up to me recently and said that they, they listen to this and, uh, 
We're absolutely thrilled to do it and uh, delighted to have you uh, listen and uh, ask questions and whatnot. And we've we mentioned last week and we'll mention again to Mike and Wes will be on the show. Yes, uh, very soon. Yeah, we're, we're we're just putting together the uh, in- interface here to just trying to set up to yeah. where we can have them uh, either call in or physically be here. And uh, yeah, when the session too today was kind of spontaneous. Yeah. Uh, we didn't really plan on doing this today, but thank you <laughs> because you guys make it easy for us. Getting, giving us all these questions. So very yeah. much appreciate that. All righty. We will y'all. see you again very soon.